Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have Christian Hyatt. He is the CEO and co-founder at Risk360. At Risk360, they build security, privacy, and compliance programs that leave no doubt. Typically, we'll tell people, you know, hey, be sure to follow the guests on LinkedIn, but I'm going to recommend, especially if you're interested in security, not only follow Christian, but also just scroll through all of his posts (laughs) over the past six, nine months, because there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And he does post routinely and is able to get conversations going within the comments, I'm not even crazy interested in security, but if I'm scrolling through and see something, I'll usually check out the comments. There's usually a lot of really good conversations, so be sure to check that out. So on the show, one of the things that I found most interesting is Christian and his team, they have done multiple assessments of their clients and the findings that they've had within their clients. And so there was one in particular where over 98% of their clients had this common finding And so I thought that was really interesting and something that I feel like everyone should definitely take a listen to. We also talk about how to audit third-party risk management with limited resources. I know some organizations have entire teams for that. So we pose the question, if you had limited resources, how would you you manage that third-party risk? We also talk about practical steps to enhance your security within your organization and also um, at your own home. And then lastly, we talk about how to stay up to date with security changes all the time and so i was curious to get christian's thoughts there which is where i'm going to now point you to the risk 360 website there's a link in the show notes if you if you look over at the resource tab in the top right of the risk 360 website you'll see the resource tab and then within that there is almost information overload when it comes to security they have done a really nice job of defining different frameworks um through however you like to consume your content there's videos there's blogs there's white papers there's webinars pretty much everything that you could you could want or however you consume content so highly recommend that be sure to check that out here we go so i saw on your linkedin i know you're very active on linkedin for those listening follow christian he's really great on there there's a lot of really good advice like go to his profile see what he's posted and just scroll through the past couple of years and, and there's always good stuff in there. But I saw recently that you had posted in your company Slack channel asking what hype music would your team want to hear every Monday? <clears throat> and we have a similar question here on the podcast in that what song makes your brain happy? So you're in a bad mood, you hear this song. What is that song? It's probably uh, like that theme song in Rocky, you know, the uh, the Eye of the Tiger thing. Yeah. 
just because I, I wrestled in high school and college. And I think if you do any kind of like boxing or wrestling, you automatically have to like the Rocky yeah. series. <laughs> yeah. So it was like our, our hype song if we were like in practice or whatever. So if I hear that one, it just fond memories uh, nice. come quickly. <laughs> so nice. probably that one. And then I so also know that you guys use uh, a tool called Asana for kind of running mm-hmm. your meetings and keeping communication tight. Maybe that's the answer, but maybe something else. What is a favorite tool of yours, whether that's software, um, a time management tool or technique or something like that? What would you, what would you say? Um, man, it's funny. I'm kind of tool averse. Like, it, like I carry around a notebook everywhere. So like my number one place to take notes is like a something something tactile about a moleskin notebook that I'll just write stuff in. But from a business perspective, we use Asana a ton as a business to to do just task tracking, project tracking. So I'm a big fan of that. Especially with the remote workforce, we use Slack a lot to to engage with each other. So so that's a favorite of mine. Um so probably one of those two. Other other than that, I'm just going to be a a Luddite and uh, put my phone away and carry around a notebook. Perfect. Yeah. I'm very much a pen and paper person. Also something about scratching it off the to-do list feels really nice. Yep. And I know you used to, uh, you used to be the big four, you had audit background, your security. Now we play together, which is obviously one reason you're on the show. Um, so you might have to reach back into your, your audit brain, but if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and be like, just please do this, just do this one thing. What would that be? Um, I mean, I think it's just business acumen. I would beg all of our auditors to understand the business models of the businesses that they serve. And I think that makes you a better risk manager, helps you ask better questions, mm-hmm. helps you escalate the right questions. I think that uh, a thing that a lot of auditors can fall in the trap of, and this comes in my world at security audits, but it could be financial audits is you get into this check the box kind of, you know, I have an audit plan. I'm going to execute against that audit plan. And then it becomes robotic Mm -hmm. and you kind of forget to take a step back, say, what is the business model? How urgent are these different things? Are there things I'm not looking at? And I remember back in my career, there was firms, and I'm ashamed to say this, there were companies I was auditing and I, and I didn't know what they did. (laughs) Like a a new staff would join the project and they'd be like, what do these guys do? And I'd be like, I really, I'm not hundred percent sure like how they make money. And if I could just start all over, like I would really be, um, passionate about understanding the business models in which I'm auditing. And I think that'll just make you a better partner, better auditor overall. So I would highly encourage that. Yeah. Love that. We, we had someone that I asked one time, she's, she had her, she's had her own, um, external audit firm for 30 years or so. And so I asked her, do you think it's more important to know audit or to know the business? And she didn't, she didn't even blink. She said the business. And that's been one of my favorite, um, kind of lessons learned from the show. So it's good to hear other folks kind of reiterate the same. Yeah. You're just All trying right. to uncover risk, right? I mean, you're just trying to uncover risk at the end of the day. Yeah. And you can't do that effectively unless you kind of understand the prism in which they do business so you can escalate that stuff. So I, I would agree with her. Perfect. All right. So I know you've done a lot of um, analysis of your own clients. Um, and so one of the things that, that caught my eye was you said that over 50% of first SOC 2 clients of your SOC 2 clients did not have a third-party risk management program. So two questions there. One, for those that don't know uh, maybe what a SOC 2 is, if you could kind of um, shed some light on that. And then two, for, I always think about the, the internal audit department with limited resources. I feel like that's more normal than not. 
And so for those folks, what should they do relative to third-party risk management? What, like maybe what's the one thing that, that we can do there? Um, just for context. So risk 360, like, like you said, I have an audit background uh, at risk 360. We do different types of security audits and SOC 2 being one of those security audits where you have controls, we'll audit those, we'll inspect evidence. And ultimately what you get is a report. Most companies get a SOC 2 report because uh, they need to demonstrate uh, some level of trust with their prospects. Uh, so I want to do business with a big bank. They won't do business with me unless I have a SOC 2 report to evidence that I have a decent security program in place. So that's uh, an example of why you might get a SOC 2 report. Um, when we started Risk 360, and if you look across most firms, what they're doing is they do any type of audit, like probably with an Excel spreadsheet as their audit plan, and then they're exchanging evidence over email or maybe a, a, a file repository or something. So in addition to doing audits, we decided we were going to build a GRC platform. So something to do all of our compliance activities with the client, gather that data, make compliance and security easy, make audits easy. So one of the things we did is all of the SOC 2 reports that we have done as an audit firm over the last five years have, have been in our platform phalanx. And one of the obvious things that I asked myself was, hey, I'll bet that there's some common trends among our clients that they're all dealing with. And maybe any new client, we could just hand them a cheat sheet. Like, look, 80% of our clients deal with this stuff. And you can go ahead and start resolving those issues. And uh, I had some instincts about what would come out of those. And, and we were largely right based on our instincts. But one of the things that clearly came out was third-party risk. So we have clients that have vendors that present risk to them, and they're not doing anything. They're not asking them hard questions mm -hmm. about security or anything else. And that makes sense because it's not necessarily an intuitive thing to do. Uh, you know, I want to use XYZ SaaS platform. I want to use, I want to uh, outsource a critical piece of my business function. Um, you're probably asking them about their competence to execute on the task a lot more than you're asking them risk related questions. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the data, especially when it comes to cybersecurity, some of the numbers are saying upwards of two thirds of all the cybersecurity breach breaches that happen are uh, the result of a third party. So I've hooked my company up to another company. They had an incident which thereby impacted my company. Um, so what you've seen in the marketplace is uh, a lot of enhanced focus on, let me vet these business partners that I'm working with to get some comfort around their cybersecurity posture. In, in terms of what folks can do um, at, at the lowest level, uh, I think just ask questions, ask hard questions. Um, if you're a startup or if you have no vendor risk management program, there's probably like 10 or so security questions that you can ask any vendor to get some sense of where they're at. And, and I think that's a great starting point. And if you want to move up the maturity, there's a variety of platforms that you can buy to send over questionnaires or log your vendor risk management. You can do that in Excel, but at the end of the day, it's about asking tough questions, getting the answers, and then making some decisions around, do I actually want to do business with this third party or not? Do you almost think the first question of those questions should be, do you have a SOC 2? Um, I think it's a, a shortcut question for sure. Um, I think I think stuff like SOC 2 or ISO 27001 or PCI or HITRUST, this whole alphabet soup of different mm -hmm. security certifications, um, they're becoming so common. It's almost like a company doing taxes. So it is a good shortcut where you might be able to go and ask a company, well, do you have a SOC 2 or do you have an ISO certification? Because uh, that'll give you some, some level of comfort that they've at least been put through the paces. I don't think it's a, 
a cure-all uh, because you, uh, you've probably heard it said that security and compliance are not the same thing. You can be compliant without being secure. Mm-hmm. So um, you might want to ask some additional tough questions, but absolutely. I think the top of your list should be, do you have a SOC 2? Do you have an ISO? Cause that's going to reveal, it's going to, it's going to be the answer to a lot of the questions that you would probably otherwise ask. Got it. Okay. I know you've done some other analysis of, of, of your clients. Um, and so you said from these hundreds of clients that you looked at, there was a, a common finding. What was, what was that common finding? Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Yep. So um, when it comes to compliance, there's a phenomena that I have noticed. And one of the phenomena are um, anything that is uh, high risk and also hard to audit, there's probably risk there. Um, So I'm always kind of looking at those things. What's hard to audit? but also high risk. And then there's those things that are uh, easy to audit and high risk. So you take something like access controls, like every auditor can do a decent job auditing access control. So it's probably been beat up pretty good. But one of the things that's hard to audit and not well understood, but also high risk is cryptographic key management, mm-hmm. uh, which, which people, uh, this is where everyone closes the podcast. And like, what is this guy talking <laughs> about? But the bottom line is like a lot of access, like system to system access and cryptography, is about managing these keys. Uh, and you can think about a lock and a key. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have a key to unlock and decrypt stuff and communicate. And uh, those can be compromised. So you have to rotate those out periodically. You have to manage them. People have access to those keys. And because it's com- complicated, it's not something an auditor would naturally look at. Um, if, you, if you do pay attention to it, you'll see it's a natural shortcoming. So as an individual finding, that was uh, our number one finding that we had. And it's probably because we know to look for it. Yeah. It was hard to audit. So when we're doing deep security audits, we always go down key management. And, and that was one that everyone was like, I did not expect that. That's not on a framework, uh, but it was our number one most common finding. And I suspect there's very few companies doing that right. Uh, of everything that I studied for the CISA, I spent more time on that than anything else. I mean, the amount of like YouTube videos I had to watch and blogs and everything that I had, because there just wasn't enough for me in the, the study material. Yeah. Um, that was definitely where I spent the most of my time. So um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Another analysis that you guys did, I think it was 700 assessments and you found that 98% of your clients had findings related to SDLC slash change management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those that don't know what SDLC and change management are, if you could just uh, high level that. And then why is that? Why are we seeing that? Yeah, so um, SDLC or change management is basically the software development lifecycle. So they're developing software as a business. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons I think issues uh, come up there commonly. Um, one issue is that the way engineering is done right now is rapidly evolving. Mm-hmm. So um, most auditors 
you know, and probably know about the waterfall. Like first you have to have QA, then you test it, then you put it into production. And they think of things as in a very linear format. Well, it's, it's rapidly evolving and you've probably heard words like DevOps or DevSecOps or Agile or Scrum, which means engineers have multiple hats. So segregation of duties is also uh, often an issue. There's various levels of automation and manual. So there's just, because things are in flux and there's inflection points that creates risk. So you have findings. The other reason is a more business oriented reason. And if you think about any tech company, uh, their one of their biggest business priorities is bringing a market, a product to market quickly. So there's a revenue on the line. They have to bring changes, fixes, products to the market ahead of competitors, better than competitors, and, and put that product up for sale. And um, that is in direct conflict often with putting great security in place. Because if you have to choose between the two, do I move fast? Do I focus on this new product feature? Or do I take a tactical pause and implement all this deep security? Often the business case wins out. Like I got to go try to get that revenue. And I suspect because of those pressures from top level leadership, you'll see security take a backseat sometimes, which I think is a very natural thing to do, even if not the best thing. Um, so one of the other things I know you've talked about is the practical things a startup can do to beef up their security. But what about like an individual professional, somebody in internal audit? Like what can we do as an individual uh, to beef up our security, like your uh, personal security. Yeah, like, uh, you as yeah. I think there's a variety of things that an individual can do that are easy that can make a big difference when it comes to security. The first thing requires nothing, is and it's vigilance. Just mm-hmm. just pay attention. Um, if you are a little suspect to any email that comes through to any text message that comes through, any phone call you get, and you just kind of think twice, that's going to take you a really long way. Um, because because the, the scammers out there are largely opportunistic. They're looking for folks who are going to fall for stuff. So they're going to send an easy phishing email. They're going to send a text. They're going to call you. And if you're just asking questions like, who is this? What is this in relation mm-hmm. to? Is this authentic? And then just assume that they're not being authentic and hang up. That, that'll take most folks a really long way, especially folks who are a little bit more tech savvy. Then you can kind of get into the technical stuff that you can do. And there's a few really easy things. One is uh, just enable multi-factor authentication on, on everything. It's MFA is the term. So if you're using like Gmail or you have an Outlook email or virtually any major free email platform, they'll make it really easy for you to go on and click multi-factor, mm-hmm. which means basically when you sign on, they'll send you a text or something like that. So, so multi-steps to log on. Um, Google is really cool too, because they can actually, uh, you can approve devices. So if you think it's a pain in the butt to, to do MFA every single time, you can go ahead and approve a device or an IP. So they're validating your, your identity on the back end, but it doesn't require any extra steps out of you. Nice. So I would do that with any kind of email platform, uh, banks, all that kind of stuff, just enable MFA. That's, that's easy stuff. Yeah. And I would stop there. I think that's the two things. If you do two things, be vigilant, pay attention, and then enable MFA. And I think like 80% of the stuff that happens to people on a day-to-day will be solved. And then there's some edge cases we get to, but that'll make it easy. I think a lot of people who maybe aren't in tech, they might hear something like MFA and go, oh, I can't do that. That that sounds over my head, but it, it's literally as simple as Googling MFA Gmail, right? And then it, the yeah, steps absolutely. are always laid out really nice. They, they uh, to the 
as many gripes as I have about some of these platforms on the privacy side, on the security side, they've, they've made great leaps to make it relatively easy for anyone to, to do this stuff. So absolutely. If you just Google it there's or YouTube, uh, there's always tutorials available. It's not hard at all. Don't be intimidated. You can do it on your phone. If you have a smartphone, all mm. of them will do it. Yeah. Perfect. All right. And I know that within security and tech, and then we'll take it down even to security, it changes so often. And I know you have a, a team of 40 or so folks now. How do you keep them up to date on this is what's going on in the security world? We could, I mean, you have to know it more than your, you know, your prospects, your clients know it. So how do you guys do that, especially on such a, uh, a team of that size? Yeah, um, that's absolutely one of our biggest challenges. Uh, we, if you ask my co-founder, Christian White, wait, what, one thing I'll hear him say a lot is, Risk 360 is not a security organization. We're really a training organization. Nice. Because internally, if you look at our activities, it's like a lot of training. So some of the ways that we've uh, conquered that challenge is one, we have uh, one person that does dedicated research and that's like on compliance frameworks, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, just to help uh, summarize to the team what's going on. So any big changes to big frameworks, we know about it. We get a lunch and learn, we get trainings on that. Um, the team's always doing certifications. So pretty much everybody's on a certification journey at any given time. And then the other thing we do is just rhythms. So we do weekly lunch and learns. Um, we have this thing called Wednesday morning grind where we do a management training internally. Uh, we have outside trainers that come in. So, uh, in any given week, there's firm level opportunities to get training. There's research coming out and there's people doing training on their own. So it's, uh, to your point, something we have to do all the time. All right. So obviously security was the the topic today and we've talked security on the podcast before, but I love it when there's specific uh, to do items like, Hey, Google MFA for whatever your, your tool is and, and activate that. Uh, so that's fantastic. Um, I just want to throw it out. If, if, if there's anything else that you wanted to leave the audience with. Yeah. Um, I know that security generally can seem complicated. Either people want to know it about themselves or they want to know about security for their company because they're going after something like SOC 2 or PCI mm-hmm. or some compliance initiative. So uh, at Risk360, we've created a whole knowledge center that's available for free for anyone who wants to learn about security. So if you go to risk360.com, there's a resources tab. Then in the drop down, you'll see a learning center. There's a video center. I also have a podcast called Tuesday Morning Grind. And we've broken up all the frameworks into white papers. We even have videos on YouTube. So if you just want to learn about security or these frameworks, all that stuff for free, we put it out, we post every week. So uh, go there, check us out, engage with us, comment on my stuff. It gives me the will to keep doing it. And uh, I think it's just a great resource. All right. Perfect. Appreciate it, Christian. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.